Welcome to the Story Monster Podcast. I am your host, the Cinematic Witness and Herald of the Story Monster. Today we have a special guest from the East Coast. He has a passion for storytelling and is creating a lane of his own through comic books. This man is a black super saiyan and has the ability to set things on fire with his mind. I present to you the founder of Blacktooth Publishing, Omari Malik. So what's up? What's up, everybody? Omari Malik, Brooklyn's in the house. What's up? And of course, you know me. I'm your host, the Cinematic Witness, repping Chi-Town. <laughs> Are you from Chicago? I, fake, I feel like I fake knew that. I lived in Chicago for like a summer. I did an internship up there. Really? What you think of the city? Well, I love Chicago. If I ever lived, I, I tell people, if I ever left New York, Chicago would be where I went. Like, I'm in a fraternity, so I'm a Q. So, like, yeah. when I was in Chicago, I was hanging out a lot around, like, Chicago State, hanging out with bros around there and stuff like that. <laughs> well, they call it the second city, you know what I'm saying? Only mm-hmm. to New York. So, I mean, it'd be a natural fit. And it's cold. It's not as cold, but it's cold. So, you could, it ain't going to be nothing to you. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing. It's nothing. So I, I guess we should we'll start with the origin. Um, I see that you grew up in Richmond, Virginia. What was that like? Man, I, I hated it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So so um so I say I hated it because you know, Richmond is a city where it's like, bro, you you got no choice but like to just be there. Like I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, come from those like it's not necessarily a small town because we like the capital of Virginia and stuff. And like, you know, it's it's on that I-95 shit. So everybody got to pass through Richmond. But it's just like one of those places where it's, it's not too much to do. Not a lot to get into. You feel me? Not a lot of opportunities. It's like a city where, you know, you definitely build a mentality of like not necessarily feeling like you can't do anything but it just doesn't not everything feels super real it's like we're so far away from new york we're far away from atlanta like you know like richmond's not necessarily like known for anything like even if you think about like virginia beach and like norfolk and shit like they got missy and timbo but it's like we don't really have anything so for me, I ain't really get like I didn't really like growing up in Richmond until kind of like I got into music. And when I got into music, like Richmond does have a big hardcore scene and like punk rock scene. So I was like a punk rock, heavy metal kid. So bands like Lamb of God, um, a bunch of underground bands like Brace War, Down to Nothing and things like that. So that's kind of like gave me Richmond pride or like gave me city pride, like going to hardcore shows and like being really into that. But I always wanted to get away. Like I just, I just never really saw myself being there forever. <laughs> so that's why I said I gotta hated it because it's like I said, it's like a town where it's like everybody's like, "Yo, I can't wait till I get away." It's one of those cities where it's like everybody's trying to get out. It's, it's, to get away. it's like that small town mentality, which is like it has to be something more. <laughs> it, exactly, exactly. So because of that, like 
I always I always envision myself leaving. And, you know, college was kind of that perfect whirlwind of like, all right, this is the easiest way to do it. So I didn't apply to any colleges that were in Virginia. Like I only applied to schools that were outside outside of state and mainly because I didn't really want to go to college. Like I really just wanted to do music. But my mom's was like pushing me to do something practical. So because of that, you know, went away to school, fell in love with school, got a degree, got another one and kind of moved up to New York and stayed there ever since. So during childhood, did you um, always have a passion for comics? Yeah. So my pops, you know, rest in peace, my pops was a big comic head like I I have so many long boxes of like early 90s comics and like late 80s comics. So it's like growing up, you know, I was always thumbing through long boxes. Like that's how I tell people I fell in love with writers like Chuck Dixon, because, you know, those Robin, like those solo Robin series, you know, his Nightwing series, uh, all that Death of Superman stuff, all that early like image stuff was like really ingrained in me. You know, it was like really like I think the 90s or the late 80s, it was like real grungy. Like yeah. everything was becoming edgy. Like it had transitioned from the the bright, optimistic 80s to like, it's cool to smoke cigarettes and wear leather jackets well, and I'm, shit. I'm telling you, man, I got, I still got all those like, I'm talking like Nightfall, like when Batman got his Bad Brook books. Like I have all those, all the milestone books and stuff like that. So I've always been in the comics and I even say like, I was a marketing person's dreams because if you had a toy and a cartoon, I wanted every toy. I wanted every card. I wanted everything. So I was always into that stuff. And, you know, when you're anybody that's kind of into anything heavily, you know, I feel like you always try to emulate it and create your own. So since I could have pencils and pens, like I've always been trying to create my own characters. And I don't know if it's a point of just being, you know, kind of self-conscious or just being, you know, too eager to do anything that anybody else is doing. But it's like when I was playing music, I never learned how to play songs on a guitar that songs that weren't songs that I wrote. And kind of the same thing when I was like in my early stages of creating, like I wasn't worried about, oh, one day I want to write for DC. One day I want to write for Marvel. It's like, I want to write my stuff because nobody can tell me I'm doing me wrong. <laughs> so it's like, absolutely, you know, absolutely. I might not be able to draw like Jim Lee, but you can't <laughs> tell me that I'm drawing my character wrong. So I'm going to just focus all my time on drawing my characters and things I mean, like that. It, you know, I mean, you have people like Rob Liefeld out here with yeah. extremely wild proportions. And, and this is a rumor going around that he didn't know how to draw feet. Because we, oh, we always cut them off. Bro. Always yeah. cut feet off. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe, you know, he it just was the last thing in his mind. The world will never know. You know no, what I mean? Never. So I, and, it, and if anybody asks him, I promise he'll deny it. <laughs> but even now, right? Like, I read a lot of indie comics, as you know from the podcast. I don't have no Marvel, DC writers and artists. Everybody I interview, for the most part, are indie creators. Now, that doesn't mean I'm opposed to interviewing industry creators, but I prefer supporting the the underdog. I prefer, you know, the people who are getting it out the dirt, you know what I'm saying, who are sacrificing time with their families, their own personal finances to bring their creations to life and, and controlling that IP and not being influenced by too many cooks in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so... That leads to my next question. You know, when you were growing up, 
you know, I know for me, it was a natural transition from animated TV shows to anime. You know what I'm saying? From yeah. Adult Swim and Toonami. So what were some of your favorite like anime or just animated shows in general growing up? So favorite shows growing up, like I said, I was a marketing person's dream. So like, obviously I was, I had every single Batman toy because, you know, the Batman animated series had so many goddamn toys. And I had, I was buying every Batman, every Batman beyond like, and stuff like that. Also, you know, I got, so it's so weird because, you know, be like, we didn't, I'm not even gonna say we knew this stuff was anime because like we was watching Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh and Digimon and, and Beyblade and even Zatch Bell, but it's like it didn't click that it was anime. It's just like, yo, this is just another cartoon that we like. So had all the Dragon Ball Z toys. Like I didn't even realize GT was bad because I was just so hungry for all that sort of content where it was just like, oh, this is Goku's in this too. Like, yeah, I, I want it, I want it, and stuff like that. So yeah, um, for me, I was heavy into Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. That's still to this day. Like, I, I never still, got into GX. I, I yeah. was into the original, and then that's when I stopped. I was just so like, it was I too much original, stuff to watch. It was too much stuff to watch during that time. I, I watched the original, but GX still has a special place in my heart. So much so to like, they released like a Zane Truesdale structure deck, you know, a Cyberduck structure deck a few months back, and I bought it. Same thing with like a Sacred Beast structure deck. So it's like if they if they I don't I don't I don't like compete, but if they do GX support, like I, I'm going out and buying some packs and things like that. So um, even like um, I, I I fuck with hype. I don't know if you've ever heard of the brand Hypeland, but like I'm a big fan. Hypeland, yeah, Hypeland. It's like a it's like a streetwear brand that does like anime s things. So it's my, like, my my man's told me about that, but I never looked into it. Yeah, Hypeland is though. I, I bring them up because they recently just did like there's a Zatch Bell lockbox that I have because like you know just still that love for like those those things that like I said we ain't realized that was anime. It was just like it oh, was nah, different. Is, you know what I mean? You know, like it was just like oh this is dope. We like this. You know. And it was unconventional, like, you know what I'm saying? Because we were part of that bridge generation where it's like we got some ideals from the old heads, but we also like part of the technology age. Like everything was like everything was about innovation. Like I know I loved horror growing up. You know, my grandma, you know, she used to watch a lot of scary movies. She got me into horror and fantasy. And, you know, I, I would be watching like Tales from the Crypt. You know, that was one of the big inspirations for my podcast intro, as well as like, you know, my basically the the entity of the story monster. I was like, I need a creature that's like a little bit of Galactus. Oh, yeah. A little bit of Barney. Amen to that shit. A little bit of Slimer from Ghostbusters. Bro, I was about to say, you're yeah, a heavy Slimer vibe. <laughs> right, like, like all that. that, bro. Like, I, or you even, know, you know, Casper's uncles and things like that. Like, exactly. I had the VHS of Casper, bro, on repeat, bro. Like, <laughs> I'll, all of that came into, you know, inspiring the idea of, or the concept of the story monster. You know, I was a big fan of Gargoyles, X Men. Mummies Alive, Street Sharks, like the ones that like they were kind of derivatives, but they were still unique in their own way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, same thing, man. Same thing here. It's like by the time I realized that like people were starting to get into anime heavy, that's when I also like kind of made the transition into like 
other forms of media. So like I started getting into like Sons of Anarchy, Breaking Bad, like watching Oz, like the old HBO shows. It's like, so I had to like, in a sense, play a little bit of catch up to where when the world was getting on anime heavy, it's like, oh no, I haven't watched My Hero yet. I haven't watched this, that, and the third yet. Like, but you know, now like I I have, I, I'll, I'll admit there's like, once you get past like, you know, the big, the big ones that were like around in the early 2000s, it's like, now I'm behind the train. So it's like, you know, I've, I've recently started um, reading Spy Family. Like my boxing coach put me on the Vinland Saga. So slowly but surely people are putting me up onto the new ones. But I never really fell off comics. But like anime, like and now I'm getting back into it as far as like, you know, stand up and knowing what's current and things it's like that. It's a lot of con- like, like I say, when we were coming up. There were very few, like the Western world, they didn't have the rights. But like, I want to say in the 2010s, I saw a boom of the the import rights to a lot of these shows. So now it's like some people, they don't have lives. All they do is watch anime. And then they judge like, I I consider myself like a hybrid nerd because, you know, I'm from the streets, but I'm also like educated. Right. So it's like I go to certain spaces and cons, they be like, Oh, how are you an anime fan and you ain't watched this? And I'm like, bro, motherfucker, bro. I got a whole life, bro. I can't watch all this shit, bro. <laughs> I feel that same. No, I definitely feel the hybrid thing. Like, as you can tell, man, I, I like this rapid jewelry and things like that. So it's like, I can't tell you how many rappers I've heard talk about, you know, Dragon Ball Z and drop Naruto balls and things like that. But it's like, I have like now I'm trying to find a time to get into it deeper and like really be like a stone cold fan as far as like, Knowing the obscure joints, like I'm talking about, like like burn the witch, like crazy stuff, stuff that like berserk. People, <laughs> exactly, you feel me? Fist of the North Star and like, yeah. like Lelouch or whatever, however the hell you said. Like <laughs> it's so many stuff, bro. So like, I want to transition to you know you said you went away, you moved to New York, you got your education. Um, in your Kickstarter campaign video, you talk about. Uh, working in corporate America. So what's your professional background and how, you know, when did you transition to writing? So uh, just to mention it, like I said, I've always written. And when I say like, even, like I said, like that middle school, like high school, like always written. And that was kind of like my first dream, but you know, had looking the way that you looking the way I look and, you know, having parents growing up in the South, it's like, Nah, you're not about to be no writer. Like, what, you, <laughs> what do you think this is? You need something practical. Like, really, what are you going to do? So that kind of made me, I got into insurance. So I got into the insurance industry because I had like a little college prep you dig and they had us at internships and I was sitting there and I was like, all right, this insurance thing seems simple enough. So I'll just go ahead and do this in college. So I got my bachelor's in risk management. Then I got my master's in executive management. So I was an insurance broker. So I did that for a few years and then got into, you know, investment banking and things like that. So professionally, like I love I love the aspect of business of like, you know, understanding how to make a product, understanding how to sell. Because, you know, being an insurance broker and then even being an investment banking, technically, we all just sell natural progression. (laughs) You know, we all just salesmen. You know, we're understanding like people are coming to us 
one on the insurance side that's like, yo, I don't know anything about insurance. Sell me insurance and teach me insurance for my business. Same thing on the investment banking. It's like, yo, listen, I, I have a bunch of money. I don't know what to do with it. Help me make more money. So, you know, you understand how, what people need and kind of understand, you know, one, how their business works so you can be able to contribute to it. And two, you understand, you know, those people skills of like, you know, being able to write formal emails, being able to deliver and kind of carry a project from end to end. So liking that and understanding that. And plus it was just like. And now a word from our overlord and sponsor anchor.fm. Follow the story monster on facebook.com slash the cinematic witness and on Instagram at Instagram.com slash the underscore story monster and on Twitter.com slash the story monster. Do you like what you're hearing? Consider making a contribution with listener support by clicking the link in the description. A dollar can go a long way, but a like and share can go even further. Thanks for listening. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. I took a lot of that and applied it to my business, you know, to kind of speed it up and like help it be more, you know, solidified and, you know, kind of get over those creative, those creator huddles of like not knowing what to do with business, not knowing that it's like, all right, if I have a business, then I'll probably need an accountant. Who, what accountants do I know? Like what lawyers do I know? Like, you know, how do I do, how do I work out a contract with my artists? How do I do this? How do I get all those rights? So I was kind of able to bypass a lot of that, taking the business experience. But as far as like transitioning, the transition actually first started when I kind of graduated. Because when I graduated right before I was about to start working, I had like a middle like crisis where I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just like I went to college because my mom's told me to. And college distracted me by having girls and a good time. I'm like, yo, this ain't, bro, but I'm like, yo, this ain't really what I wanted to do. And that's when the the idea first popped in my head of like, yo, I want to do comics. So I wrote a bunch of ideas out and kind of started getting the ball rolling. Then I started that job and I was like, oh, insurance broker money's pretty good. <laughs> I was like, yo, I can buy a lot of stuff. You know, I got, got sneakers, got chains, you know, like, you know, it was was young and in New York City. So it's like, oh, nah, I'm getting to it. I'm, I'm enjoying this. But then kind of when the pandemic hit, it was like, all right, this is not as fun anymore because I'm not distracted because I'm not going out. I'm not spending as much money. I'm not doing all those things that Hell I used nah. to do <laughs> that, was, that were kind of distracted me and like, make, and like making me feel like it was okay to kind of just work. So, and you were forced to reflect. I know a lot of us were stuck in that, that early life crisis because we ain't middle yeah. age yet. But it's just like, you're just like, man, like I can't be doing this at 35. Like I need to be more established to have a trajectory. You know, you transition from that industry. You started pursuing your dream. Yeah. Um, Where did Black Tooth Publishing come from? Like, I, I was curious what the name and the logo story is. Can you explain so, the origin? So, yeah. So, like, I, being being that I've been a lifelong fan, like, if I pull it, I still got the old sketch pads where I had a bunch of terrible names of everything of, like, you know, making amateur comics and, you know, drawing a little logo in the corner and, and all that stuff. But 
as far as like trying to put together black tooth so you know after the pandemic and i'm like all right now i'm gonna do this for real i'm gonna get an llc i'm gonna do a bunch of stuff like i'm gonna get it really good and one of the and like i said taking that business knowledge of being like all right so i want a name that one i could trademark and i could copyright and that nobody else has and you know kind of being a comics fan and a fan of like black exploitation films i wanted something with black in the title so it's like that's where that original idea came from of like all right what can i say black what and you know wanted something with black in the title so i'm like all right now i gotta find a second word and it was like black tooth like i went through a bunch of different things and it's like all right black tooth you know kind of sounds different like i've never heard anything like that and then it's like you know like i said doing that marketing thing of like all right so if i have so not only do i want a name that sounds good but i want something that i can have a nice logo to and if i have black tooth and you know i can have like a tooth logo or something with a smile and you know trying to think about all those things that you know when you're doing business at a high level you know right the, the reason why cokes and pepsis and disney's they name things particular ways and you see that they have company logos company mascots and all that stuff so one is something that can be the full package and of course when i reached out to my lawyer you know we did the copyright and trademark search and you know there was nothing there i was like all right yeah this is the one it, it can't be even confused with anything else when i first saw it, i was like this is giving me like 90s MTV vibes like Nickelodeon, Klasky Studios, and, and it leads to my next question: the uh, Black Tooth Battalion. I'll give you my overall thoughts. Um, I read it, and dude, like, first of all, I can't recall the last time I read a book with multiple one shots in them. And I want—I want to say straight out, I was upset with you. Because as I finished it, I was mad that I, because I knew it wasn't going to be any more content for each story. I was like, first of all, Dogpile, the fact that you started this, the, the book with that was insane. Like overall, I, I want to say that's the one I can see in a live <laughs> action or animated series. The manga style, the art style. Yeah. The motion lines where my man's is stealing on folks. It was a panel where I saw dogs <laughs> shooting key blasts out their mouths, bro. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to spoil the story. It's just the visuals. I was like, okay, this dude is yeah. insane. Um, and I think it's Adastra. That was a pleasant surprise. More slice of life. It, it gave me like a Nickelodeon Danny Phantom style. Very, very colorful. Very vibrant. I like that style. I, I thought it was dope that we got to see the family dynamic and how that affects the hero or heroine in this case. The only part that I was mad about, I was like, where is her mask? And I felt the same way about Snakebite. I was like, bro, where's these people mask at? But I understand this is the one shot. It's like in the shows when the heroes don't get their comic book accurate costume to the second season. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna chill on a critique because I'm it's fire right now. So I'm gonna let that pass. The snake bite, bro, the way you closed that out, I felt like I was back in my neighborhood growing up with my homies. I felt like when we would roast each other in high school, felt all on vibes, man. So overall, I wanna say the book, um, it, it it's some gold, man. It's some gold in those pages. I, I appreciate that, man. I really appreciate that. And I always smile when I hear those sort of reactions because 
it's literally what I was going for, man. So it's like, that's what I wanted. So as, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're basically one shots and they're kind of pilots. So it's like, I wanted to do something that one introduced people to who I was as a writer, because I wrote three very different stories that have different styles, different protagonists, you know, that I didn't want to be one of those people, you know, I very easily could have came out and it could have been six issues of snake bite, six issues of dog pile, six issues of that. But it's like, I felt like, you know, if people had come out the gate and seen me do snake bite, they'd have been like, they'd have been like, wait, what do you mean you're doing a dash for now? Same thing if I did dog pile, a dash for now, like, what do you mean you're doing dog pile? Like, what's this? So it's like, I figured it's like, all right, yo, if I give y'all all this off rip, can't nobody be mad. Y'all know I. this is how I came into the game where it's like, yo, listen, I do different things and I have a bunch of different ideas. And, you know, Black Tooth Publishing, keyword publishing, man, like this is really a publishing company. Like I want to do novels. I want to do different things, you know, children's books, all types of stuff. Cause I have a bunch of ideas and, you know, we, in that, in our generation, it's like, we've absorbed so much content where it's like, just as much as I was reading, watching the hood movies that inspired Snakebite, like Juice of Boys in the Hood. I was also sitting with my little sister watching Hannah Montana and that's a Raven while waiting to stay up late to watch Tsunami to watch Dragon Ball Z and Bleach and the things that inspired Dogpile. So, you know, I wanted multifaceted. So I wanted to tell very dope stories and kind of have something for everybody and then just have stuff that would hit home and be dope, you know, like being that they're pilots, like I said, like you mentioned, you know, alluding to things that are going to come when they go to full series, but keeping it interesting and giving some people, you know, something that was fulfilling. It's like, yo, you read it. It's like, oh, no, this is dope. I want more. But it's like what I just read was really dope. To have multiple one shots in a book is your debut, a 70 page book. That's usually a value people would pay like 30 to 40 dollars for. And then they have to wait for the next volume to come out. Your format is unique because as you progress, not only are we getting sequels to these individual series, but you introducing more IP, more new stories to the point where it's just like, you have to buy the book to get the continuation of the previous stories. You got you got some good nuggets right there. I, 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 <laughs> I like I like the, the, the technique. I, I like the approach to the storytelling. Nah, so the, yeah, I'm definitely like, I'll say for people, you know, Black Tooth Battalion, that's, that's kind of, I'll say that in a sense, that'll be the flagship title. So that'll be the proving grounds, you know, as I, you know, I want to be able to be a place for, you know, other aspiring writers to come through, you know, I get a little team or, you know, I, I have a mentor. If I end up mentoring people, you know, it's like, all right, bro, like, listen, you throw your, you know, we're going to throw this in volume 20 of the battalion, see what it do. If it do good, we're going to spin it out and, you know, keep it going. And being able to do that as well as, you know, like I said, there will be more. There's, you're going to get your 12 issues, your however many issues of Dogpile, because there's a lot more story to tell there, a lot with Snakebite. You know, I want to, the next the next go around that I'm going to give to people is, you're going to see how everybody got their powers. You're going to see how everybody came to be. So that is going to start from like day one. Nobody got powers, nobody nothing. And we're going to see them become who they became and things like that. So I like that we jump right into the inciting incident, the call to adventure smash mouth right in your face and then <laughs> like i want to say that already like you've mastered foreshadowing 
like the breadcrumbs that you're dropping. I'm like, why did he say that? I know that there's a significance <laughs> to this and it's, it's masterful. It's not even like you're writing comics. It's like you're writing screenplays and you just so happen to have the um, like the, the skeleton put in comic book form. You just you just hitting the beats. <laughs> and I'm just like, this dude is a screenwriter. <laughs> Definitely, man. Like, obviously, you know, the big dreams for well, one thing I want to say is like for me. The first medium is the first medium. So, you know, I wanted to make them dope comics, which is why, you know, you see all the big visuals and things like that. But it's like, I also want to be hands-on enough to where it's like, like if we can go, we can do animation, we can do movies, you know, I want to be right there helping out and, you know, script advising, like, you know, being there, kind of doing the Dwayne McDuffie thing where he wrote Static and then he was writing for the cartoon. You know, I want to be there and kind of see this play out because, there are different things where it's like one of the tailor for the medium. It's like where I was writing the comics, I'm like, you know, if we ever do a movie about this, this is going to be a little different, but I'm going to do it this way because this way is going to be dope in a comic. <laughs> but, you know, later on, you know, or, you know, we'll switch it up and do things differently. So my last question is, if you had to choose a streaming service to be the home of the Black Tooth Battalion, which one would you choose over on the Netflix side? You have Arcane, Castlevania, Dota Dragon's Blood. On Prime Video, you got The Boys, Invincible, The Wheel of Time, Rings of Power, all that jazz. And on Paramount Plus, you got Halo, Star Trek, and the, the, the series Evil. So if you had to choose between those three to be the home of your properties, would you choose Netflix, Prime Video, or Paramount Plus? Honestly, I, the actual answer is whoever let me you know, do simulcast. And when I say simulcast, they'll let me put it up on each joint and then I can put it up on, you know, the future Black Tooth app, <laughs> same day, day and date. But honestly, like, I like the Netflix model just because I like getting everything at once, man. I hate waiting week to week. Like Netflix, having Netflix for so long spoiled me. So it's like, plus I'd rather, I'd rather do the whole shebang versus getting cut off in six episodes. And, you know, if, if this become if it were to be a cult classic, it's like, at least with Netflix, we will get the full series order. <laughs> we'll do us a great series. <laughs> People just go all get it that one week. And it's going to do what it'll do. Oh God. I feel you on that. That, that is rarely the, the one that people choose when I, I ask that question. So I'm really, I'm surprised that you chose that. And it does make sense for your stories. Um, Black Tooth Battalion, like I said, I enjoyed the book. Um, I think people should support your Kickstarter. And it has the Story Monster stamp of approval. Um, so where can people follow you online and stay up to date on future projects? So, yeah, um, Instagram for the company at Black Tooth Publishing spelled just like it sounds like nothing fancy um, for me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Big Bank Aaron, B-I-G-B-A-N-K-A-A-R-E-N. Also, Blacktoothpublishing.com, Blacktoothpublishing.com slash Kickstarter, or just go to Kickstarter and search Blacktooth Battalion Volume 1. Cool beans. There will be a link in the description as well um, of this podcast where you can support the Kickstarter for Blacktooth Battalion from Blacktooth Publishing. For those listening on Spotify, there will be a poll in the description along with the question, who has the strongest healing factor, Wolverine from Marvel Comics or Lobo from DC Comics? Once again, 
This is your man, Omari Malik from Black Tooth Publishing. Support the Kickstarter. Check it out. It's a dope book. Until next time, there are tales to be told, and I will bear witness. Follow the Story Monster on Facebook.com slash The Cinematic Witness and on Instagram at Instagram.com slash The underscore Story Monster and on Twitter.com slash The Story Monster.